Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Fresh Out, the podcast, the only podcast where three guys can spit in your mouth for money. Hey, I'm Jahananan, and uh, you. I'm a board game guru, game master extraordinary, and a parent, Saliva Gigolo. It's me, it's me, Casualty CDG, retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan, improv comedian, and mountain newspaper ad salesman. Uh, Fresh Out the Box was recently featured in the Cuesta del Rio News in northern New Mexico. So I figured I might as well give them a shout out. Thanks for the support, Cuesta, New Mexico. I love it. And I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the Funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And welcome to episode 66 of Fresh Out the Podcast. We took a little hiatus there. We had we all had some life things going on, and we actually all got to see each other in person recently as we all attended a wedding. It was the f- first time, I believe, Gary and or excuse me, that Jahan and I got to see Gary in person since he had moved to New Mexico back in February, if I have my timing correct. That is correct. So that was, <laughs> that was in February. It was like I, it February was. 13th or 11th or something that we saw in the house. Yeah. It does not feel that long ago, dude. It's so weird. So that was a good time. But that also means that we have been delayed in our conversation, our much needed conversation that uh, has been needing to be had about the rings of power finale. I feel like you all did speak about it a little bit while I was out of town at fantastic fest, but now here we are. The season's complete. It's been a few weeks. However, house of the dragon only just ended one week ago. So we've had these two behemoth fantasy shows, um, essentially going head to head. And I think the thing that we've clearly learned since is that it's easy to compare the two just because they've been on around the same time, but it really is apples and oranges. They're two totally different fantasy shows. I would, I would say for different audiences, but there is a blending there for sure. Wouldn't yeah. you say? I mean, so as I mean, growing up, man, I've always been a huge fantasy fan, and it's always been, I've always felt like it's been a very dry well. Like, it, you do not, you don't get that itch scratch very often. Uh, you know, it doesn't, you don't get good fantasy movies that often. You definitely didn't get shows. Like, there ever. are so few good fantasy movies that people pretend Willow is good. <laughs> Willow was good. Nope. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, so what I'm getting at, I suppose, is that, um, yeah, there's definitely crossover, uh, like fantasy fans, like especially older fantasy fans will take what they can get. So yeah, we'll all, we'll grab at both of those shows with both hands and not let go. That's well, well, let's, let's start with rings of power because I think that this show, I mean, it's I can't remember how many years ago now it was that they announced that Amazon had acquired the rights to make this. And then, of course, there have been countless stories about how much money they're putting into it and the casting and all and everything. And it almost seemed to me like, how can they how are they going to do this? The movies, you know, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy are just some of the greatest cinematic achievements of the past 20 years easily or no it's earlier than that i think the first one came out in 2001 so of the past you know several decades and i they're still great and so to have a show and that obviously the hobbit movies were 
less less great. Uh, <laughs> great, great <laughs> yeah. in those movies maybe shouldn't be in the same conversation. Look, speaking of bad fantasy movies, right? The those horrible Hobbit movies. Some of them are better than Willow. Ooh, the first. The first. I will stand up for the first Hobbit movie. I'm, I think it's solid. Besides the fact that it's a bucket full of CG puke, I actually like the third one, the Battle of the, the Five third Armies. One, third one's got it. Got its moments. There are not. A <laughs> and lot the of irony times. is that I remember the second one having some strong moments with all the Smaug stuff. I thought that stuff was. Solid, I so. I love Lake Town. So that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, the reason I would defend the CG puke fest is because it's the only time I've gotten to see dwarven armies on screen charging with battle rams and smashing orcs in the face with hammers. Just what an absolute delight. Uh, if that was something I could flip through the channels and see more often, I probably wouldn't be so high on that movie. See, the other thing is I'm not going to shit on those movies. I like them well enough. Uh, they're, they're good enough for me. But, I need you know, to revisit. I haven't seen them since seeing them in theaters. So that I watch something. all of these things quarterly, Drew. Once you know that... Join me the, for my quarterly meeting. Once you know the costumes for the dwarves are just terrible and awful and cheesy, then it's easier to watch the whole thing. Yeah, I and... I do typically watch the Lord of the Rings movies around Christmas time. That's just when it feels cozy for me to rewatch those. It's also around the time they came out in theaters back in the day. So it's just like I associate them with that time. So my annual watch is is coming up soon. So um, we're already getting off topic in a way. I mean, not really, but still the rings of power. Let's let's talk about that, because I'll, I'll start with some of my opinions on it. And I said this back when we talked about the the premiere few episodes is that the way this show looks as good as it looks on my TV personally is, I mean, for me, it's pretty jaw dropping. I think the show looks incredible with the money and everything that they've put into it. I feel like it does show on screen and there's something with streaming in general to go on a tangent here you know, things on streaming devices or or streaming services are compressed, like the videos compressed. And a lot of times when you're streaming things, the quality can be in, you know, anywhere from mixed to so, so to okay, um, depending on internet connections and what format. And like, I think Netflix is notorious for things kind of having a Netflix sheen to it just based on the streaming. I don't know what it is with prime if it has to do with the updates they've done to the service recently with the dashboard or what but for me the stream of rings of power is almost the best looking of any streaming show i've maybe ever seen i think that it looked that good maybe it's my xbox i stream it on maybe it's my tv i don't know but i feel like the show looks incredible even when compared to something like house of the dragon maybe it's the real landscapes Maybe it's, you know, just the way they filmed it, but that's my two cents on the look of it. Am I alone in that? So I think, so, I mean, it does look good. The, they have these big epic shots, you know, like uh, the boat scene, the boat scene seemed like it was probably pretty expensive. You know, they're throwing, they're throwing these, th- that giant creature at us, you know, that was definitely expensive. I'm sure Numenor, is incredibly expensive to uh, show off. Um, I mean, it's definitely movie budget in a TV show. It looks pretty. I think a lot of the 
the money is going into really subtle things because like they have these really wide shots so they're developing the area around the scene a lot more than you normally would when you're doing these closer shots you know you, you don't really have to worry about left and right when you're like this close but uh they do a lot of like these far away shots through like the woods and stuff uh all of it adds up i guess to being very very costly uh i feel like they spent a lot of money unnecessarily because they have it. Like, uh, it's my understanding that some people's like helmets are CGI. <laughs> like, it's like, why? Like, we just give them a helmet, you know, uh, it can't be, uh, it can't be cheaper to CGI it. Uh, but, but some a of, lot the- of the CG they did though, I felt looked really good. And yeah. And, it does. and they obviously had some sets in the show. Like, you know, there's, there's set pieces or built sets, but they do, from what I can tell, use a lot of, of real landscapes and things. And that makes a huge difference compared to something like house of the dragon where, you know, it's a lot more like castles and buildings that are obviously constructed digitally. And so that leads to a lot of what feel like soundstage sets of, you know, King's landing or whatever it may be. I'm not dissing that because I like house of the dragon a whole lot. So, and we'll get into that later, but um, I don't know. There's just something about the rings of power that has a great look. Like the video quality almost in the codec of the things today, I was watching the game of Thrones finale. And I thought that the dragons while seeing multiple dragons on screen at once, I I kept thinking, man, it looks kind of choppy. It looks kind of, you know, it's, it's not quite smooth enough. Uh, and the siege, and I would like I would look at it. You know, the dragons looked good, so it wasn't that they weren't rendered right. But with all of them in motion, something just didn't feel right. And so I know what you what you're talking about. Uh, it, it's just sort of the quality, this of, cleanness. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's it's almost just the the compression technology. Almost the thing looks more clean on Amazon. Uh, yeah, and you may not be wrong, Drew. You may be right. And even to the point when I started watching Expanse the first time. It was almost hard for me to watch The Expanse because it's very clean and hmm. it doesn't have mm-hmm. a Netflix sheen on it. It, it almost just feels like a like camera too clean? ship. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It and is kind of weird. Put that together, and I'm not sure if that's part of, I'm not sure if that's a long lasting thing Amazon's had or if that's a new thing to pay attention to. Uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you bring it up. That's part of that's part of what I, I mean by like subtlety. Like it just looks good because they just put money into every single aspect of what they're shooting. And that's the and the money got dumped like hard. You can tell. And then they have the big moments. Uh a few that we'll talk about, I'm sure. But geez, those big moments were expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just there's a lot of color in Rings of Power. I mean, there's a lot of things it, when you're used to these other shows that seem like so much is shot at night or in dark castles and so on, it's, it, it is a little breathtaking when you see rings of power and these like luscious, bright, sunny green landscapes and it's, it, everything looks so good. And then the, the practical effects are always great with the orcs and things, which that was a big criticism orcs of the great. Hobbit movies that they wanted orcs the orcs and goblins to be practical. And they did that for the show and it looks great. Um, so, yeah, so that's about the look. Now, let's talk about, of course, the content itself, which for me, I've been saying this. I think I said it about the first couple episodes, and I feel like I've I've stuck to this. I do think the show itself, the story and everything was pretty solid. Um, I did 
in the first like four or five episodes find myself having trouble getting super invested in it, but I was still watching it. However, now the sixth episode, I think is the one that's kind of the most action packed or where a lot of the action really starts to happen. And from there, maybe I'm just, you know, a mark for action. I don't know, but that's when I started to really get captured by it. Where I was like, okay, this is picked up. I'm in it. I'm in the battles. This is cool. There's stakes, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I thought it ended pretty solid, but I did think the 70 plus minute episodes were maybe a little too long that they could have trimmed it, trimmed some of the fat and made it flow a little bit better. But also I appreciate the fact that they're, you know, they're really digging into all of their lore and and building a lot. This is, you know, a true season one. They're doing a lot of world building, even though we've all seen Middle Earth before. This is Middle Earth a long, long time ago. So there's a lot of things that haven't been established and such. So, you know, that was my take. I thought it was it was really solid overall, but left me having trouble getting invested at first. That's 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 my take. I thought that so many of the protagonists were so forgettable. Uh, and if we didn't already know their names as Galadriel and Eldron, maybe we wouldn't have remembered them at all. Um, the Elrond story it was very cool. And I was totally into it during every conversation and every quip with every character. I totally loved it. Uh, the Galadriel story, I thought, was just like yanking out my fingernails was just come on let's go she was just on a boat for like six episodes or complaining to get back to the war which was i mean i get it she needs to it's not her fault but like uh, with time jumps and cuts and and the things that you could have cut from the show i really feel like you could have cut a lot of these side stories going on. And like you said, maybe I'm just a mark for action. Uh, but I love the way they started with that horror sort of orc aspect on the edge of my seat. I would have loved to have seen more of that in a lot less of, I want to get on the boat. I want to go east. I want to go to save Middle Earth. And it's my destiny. And I have a dead brother too. I, I Okay, guys, I get it. You can have that conversation off screen. Get on the boat. Let's go. Let's see more terrifying orcs. Let's see what the elves are up to. I want to see Galadriel get in trouble for leaving. You know, that's, that's a plot I've been waiting for since the second episode when we knew that she was coming back already. Uh, just, I think the writing, they, they chose some weird moments to focus on, and I was bored during a lot of the show. Um, definitely hats off to the practical effects. Some big moments, some awesome moments. But I, I think that Rings of Power, overall for me, was a pretty boring experience. I'm I'm actually not against what you're saying, Gary. I'm kind of with you. I, I wouldn't say I overall thought it was a boring experience. I maybe liked it a little bit more than that. But considering Galadriel seemed like she, it, from the beginning, they were setting her storyline up to be kind of the main storyline. You know, there's a lot of side ones, but Galadriel's felt like it was supposed to be the most important. And I think it had some good payoff at the end of it, but I'm with you. Those first like four or five episodes, her stretch while supposed to be the most important was the one that I struggled to stay invested in the most. I Whereas really I like liked could have been an episode. 
maybe two episodes of like, man, I'm really stranded here and it sucks, but I've got to convince them I need to get out of here. But I, I felt like a lot of time was devoted to that. And especially hearkening back to that first episode where she rocks that mountain troll and is flipping around, whooping ass in the dungeons. You know, that's what we wanted to see. We didn't want to see her sailing around on a boat waiting to get on a horse to go to join a fight seven episodes later. You started off on a great foot. Just have her go further down into those caves and fight more mountain trolls. You you had it right with your first scoop. She was a badass in the first episode, and then there's enough lull for you to forget that she's a badass that by the time you get to episode six and she gets involved in the battle, you're like, oh, yeah, she's good at fighting. She's cool. Why did I forget that? You should have shown that to me. That's instead, exactly instead of it. to your point, she kind of was whining a lot of those first few, and maybe maybe we're being a little too harsh. Maybe not. I don't know. And I just don't even think it's anyone's fault other than how long the writers wanted to focus on that story. Uh, the character did exactly what the character should have done, but it should have taken four scenes instead of twenty-five. So I definitely am in a different boat. Uh, I was invested the whole time. Um, I mean, they were just constantly scooping lore on me. I loved it. Um, you know, the first episode, yeah, that, that whole troll thing, you guys are definitely right. That was such a cool tone. Uh, and it definitely lost some of that. But, like, I really enjoy all... They, they just were dropping so many, like, little breadcrumbs for me the whole time, you know? Like, uh, you know, they start off with, the cold comes from, like, evil and blah, blah, blah. And then later... You see uh, the, the the man that fell from the sky, uh, like, doing something, and he causes all this frozen stuff to happen. And you're like, oh, no, he might be evil. And, like, I don't know. They, like, there's a lot of that kind of, like, subtle, like, in the background storytelling. It kept me very interested. And then, like, you're just seeing all these iconic places, and that was really doing it for me. I got to see Numenor. I didn't really care. Uh but also, like, Gladriel, I felt like they were showing her to be a badass every every other episode, at least. I mean, there's the scene in Numenor where she beats up, like, five soldiers all at once and then kind of lets one hit her with a sword so that he can get promoted. Like, but that's the scene. That's the episode that they leave. There's, like, three episodes before that where nothing happens. But, yeah, you're right. That scene is awesome. But again, see, I mean, three like, episodes where it's like, come on, let's move on out of Numenor. See, let's I don't, it. I don't need nonstop action. Like, I, I, I'm enjoying the world building. I'm enjoying seeing the politics. I'm enjoying seeing like the characters that are going to come don't out think later. That their performances are good enough. I think that the actors are just flat and boring and bland. And maybe if you had some actors that crushed these performances, maybe. But they're just kind of emotionless words. I like, I, like, I like big hair, shitty politician guy. That guy is hilarious. <laughs> I love I'll, that dude. <laughs> I'll say this because I'll, I'll, you know, not to go back on what I said, but like, I, I get what you're saying, Jahan. Like, like, I do think there were things to get invested. Maybe it's me. I'm I've been a big advocate of slow burn things in the past. Like, I like slow burn movies. I like that kind of stuff. And just for some reason in the show, I just felt like there were some things that still could have been tightened up. Now, that being said, there's you are a, both right about that. I'll there, agree. there were characters that were introduced. Like, I think we talked about it when we talked about the first three episodes. They, Isildur is just kind of thrown out there. Like, oh, this is a Isildur, and I'm like, I, you know, I pointed. I'm like, ah, Isildur, right? I know who that yeah. is. That's a, he's a 
a big deal, but it was very subtle. And then some of these other characters like Hallbrand, is that Hellbrand? His name's Hellbrand. You know, we'll we'll talk some more of these spoilers in a bit. We were already kind of talking spoilers, but we'll we'll get into that a bit. But like his where he ended up going ended up being a really big deal. And I thought he was kind of boring throughout. But now it feels like that shell was ripped off. So maybe we just have to see with all the all the plate setting that they were doing in this first season. Now, maybe in the second season, they can really let loose with some of this stuff. Jahan, you mentioned some of the breadcrumbs scattered throughout and some of the lore stuff was subtle and i thought was really cool like especially if you know the future of gondor and who established it and their crest and comparing it to numenor and how much of numenor really inspired gondor and it makes sense in the context of the show but then some of the other reveals i thought were kind of cheesy like made me laugh uh for example when they discover mithril and you get that like you get the reveal in your Mm. tongue it would be called mithril and they treat it like it's the biggest reveal (laughs) it is the biggest reveal (laughs) but it's mithril do you not understand i thought you were gonna talk crap about the lore story with like the lightning hitting the hitting the fight during the Belrog and the Paragon of all elf kind dueling it out and being struck by lightning, thus crystallizing Mithril throughout the mountain. Yeah, yeah a, that was that's sick. Awesome. That's totally I like that. Yeah, yeah it was I'm awesome. just talking about the initial like showing the rock <laughs> and saying, Oh, it would be pronounced this way. And they, I don't remember what they say, they say it wrong. Yeah. Like, no, it's Mithril. And I, I laughed. I laughed. Yeah, even, even with other things, there was some stuff though that. It, I thought it bordered on cheesy that I still liked. Like we see, we literally see Mordor get created in the show. And I'm sitting there the whole time going like, this is Mordor. This is Mordor. I'm just waiting for them to see it. And right as they're about to name drop it, it like zooms out. And instead you get that map transition where the name of the Southlands like fades out and then it becomes Mordor written in fire. I appreciated that. It was cheesy as in a way who had a map of middle earth, uh, covering my entire game room wall. I, I appreciated it. Uh, <laughs> I was like out of it. And the man, that episode was nuts. Like I knew something was going to happen. That's not what I thought was going to happen. I did not, I did not call that. I have uh, I have not read those the old books or anything um, so, that would describe this stuff, but the whole like so they used a sword as a key and turned it and it made the volcano uh, activate and erupt and then Mordor was created. Like I feel like just turning a key and that happening seemed a little uh, little simple for the implications. That well, came that's from actually that. exactly what happened at Mount Saint Helens. <laughs> <laughs> But for um, real life Mordor. So, so the interesting thing about uh, the reference material uh, is, so I, I, I believe that there's something up with the rights to this. I don't think they own uh, a lot of the lore. I think they're improvising because I think they only own like an appendix or something, which is weird. And they're not allowed to use stuff like outside of it. I don't know, man. It's, it's a weird deal they have. They kind of hatch it together. But uh, I don't have 
more information than that. I, it's just something that I was listening oh, to. Oh, I did. I do have more information. Pompeii, when it exploded, it was also because of a magic key sword. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a magic key sword. It opened up a floodgate that poured water into Mount Doom, thus agitating its colon and causing it to blow. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to Pompeii. The okay. other the other big reveals we'll talk about sick. real quick. Um, so spoiler alert. Um, of course that that we had that Hellbrand is, is Sauron, you know, in in a human form, which they were c- trying to c- swerve you and make you think that the wizard was was Sauron. Bro, but I think we all were pretty when they sure they kinda, that, that was not the case. When they they kind of successfully did was Sauron. I would just like put my head down and walked into the kitchen. I was like, this is so stupid. That's Gandalf. And then the episode finishes. Right. And then Hellbrand reveals. And I was like, oh, okay. yeah. I, I felt weird about it, too. Like, I was like, man, I was so sure that, like, this this was him meeting the ancestors of the hobbits, and, like, this is probably Frodo's ancestor he's it talking to. It feels fun. It wasn't a fun twist. It, it felt like they really pulled the rug out from under us. It felt like I was tricked. And yeah, then, man... I, didn't, I did not like it. And then, yeah, they... they, they uh, the reveal when whatever those three women are, which they're they're really cool. They got so cool so fast. Um, but I just kind of feel like, like maybe okay. So to be to be totally transparent, I watched the first three episodes of the show like when they came out, yeah. and then I was not keeping up week to week like I should have been, and so I kind of crammed in episodes four through eight crammed in the past cram week all. and a half or so. So I don't know were those three wizard, whatever you would call them, those the three villains magical villains were they introduced in those first three episodes because i knew i had seen them before but no. then all of a sudden they kind of pop up at the end like as this big threat and i'm kind of like okay you know who are no, they, just they show up nowhere. uh after after he hits the ground they kind of show up after the fact and they're and investigating like, that crash and they're investigating the crash yeah, and yeah. then they become like this whole thing but yeah they're they're some other sort of like angel being as well i'm sure they're from they're from the great beyond with everybody else but uh yeah that whole thing where they're like oh no it's he's the other one uh, instead of him being Sauron. that was such a cool reveal uh but the mm-hmm. part that really did it for me the little easter egg um was when he was talking to the girl, to the Harfoot girl, um, and they were trying to figure out where to go. And he... The follow your nose. Follow your nose, because that's a direct reference to what Gandalf... Gandalf says that exact line in The Minds of Moria in The Fellowship of the Ring. I, he says, I when in doubt, follow your nose. Right before they have the Fruit Loops. <laughs> follow your nose! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I knew for sure. Because at first I was like, one is that he's Gandalf. The other one is a working theory that he's Toucan Sam. But I'm I'm ironing out the details on that. I'll come back with more. Yeah, yeah. I knew <laughs> I knew he was a wizard, obviously. And then I was like, is he for sure Gandalf though? And then when he said that line, I'm like, okay. You know, I, I was pretty sure. But this that was the thing that cemented. I so. doubted it really like a lot because I was so excited that it was Gandalf. I was like, this is not. It can't be. Just, they wouldn't give me that. I listened. They wouldn't give that to me. Of you screaming, follow your nose, and it doesn't sound like Toucan Sam. It sounds like a, an insane homeless person screaming at you to get crack on the. Follow your road. nose. Yeah, it sounds bad. It's it's a really good impression. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, a lot of great reveals. You see Sauron walking into Mordor. That shit's sick. 
you get to learn more about this father character and how he's one of the original elves uh, that were turned into orcs. Because um, a lot of people don't realize that. I don't know. It, it, it's kind of one of the deeper lore things that they mention uh, a couple times in Lord of the Rings. But yeah. Orcs used to be elves. And That's... orcs aren't the same thing as the Urukai. The Urukai are Saruman's personally hand-grown yes. super orc army. They're, they're and they the can walk in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. That's why they were so dangerous. Orcs cannot. Vampire rules, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I so me personally, Rings of Power, when you look at, like, there was a couple slow bits where I was like, man, like, okay. But as a whole... Loved it. Loved every second of it. I, I I want more. I can't wait for more. Certified fresh by me. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely be watching season two. Um, if I had to give a number rating, like an out of ten for Rings of Power, I would personally give it about a seven out of ten. Is where is where I land. Yet another amazing primetime show with an Iranian lead too. I'm so happy. So cool. So let's use this point to transition to House of the Dragon, the other big fantasy show that's been... Oh, Gary, I'm sorry. I skipped your number rating. What was your rating? I also would have given it a seven. I would have given it a straight up agree with you. Yeah, seven. Not bad I'd give enough it, to be a six and not good enough to be an eight. I'd give it, I'd give it an eight, 8.5 easy. And but Gary, was thing. that was your face because you didn't do your number rating? No. Uh, You're trying to figure out who's Iranian? Which, yeah, which character is Iranian? Bronwyn. You say the brown one? Bronwyn. Bronwyn. I thought you said the brown one. Well, I mean, yeah, the brown Yeah, no, the, <laughs> the, the girl in the love affair with the elf uh, is Iranian. Okay, the one Iranian. Who, she's the one that the Church of Scientology tried to make be Tom Cruise's girlfriend back in the day. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's right. I read that story. I didn't realize that was her. That's crazy. Yeah, she recently told a story uh, on the news about her experience with the Iranian morality police. Because of the it's considered a cult all across the European Union. Yeah, it is. But not yes, in America. In America, it's considered a free religion. But yeah, she's Iranian, and I'm happy. Um, I was hoping that the elf guy was Iranian because he doesn't look he's, Iranian. That would have totally surprised me. I do believe he's Puerto Rican. Yeah, okay, I could see that. Uh, All right, Drew, take us take us into uh, in, into Middle Earth, Drew. Take us across the ah, sea. To, across to Westeros. Westeros. So you here's, know, here's you where can, I'm at with House of That kind of gave me chills, so I liked it. I'll, I I'll start off with the, you know, talking about the number ratings. So for me, if Rings of Power was a 7 out of 10, House of the Dragon for me is a 9 out of 10. I just Damn. was really high on it um, wow. all season. And I was messaging with Gary about this here recently. But I think the fact that, first off, watching these two shows <laughs> together is funny because House of the Dragon had so many of those big time leaps where you'd kind of have to adjust an episode be like, okay, so it's been about three years since the last one. It's been maybe more, maybe less. I don't know. And then when you'd watch rings of power, which is told the much more common way, right? It's linear storytelling. And it almost was like disorienting to watch rings of power, pick up where the last episode left off when you're so, when you would get used to the time jumps. Of so House this of the Dragon. totally reminds me of a conversation Johan and I had, maybe it was weeks back, maybe it was months back, but we talked about how we prefer when a show follows the action. And that if a character isn't necessarily in the action, you don't have to have them in every episode. You can, the same way Game of Thrones, the first run did, you can drop somebody for three, four, even five episodes. 
let us think they're dead and then bring the camera back to them. We're like, oh, crap, that's awesome. And I think if they'd have handled the Galadriel situation in the Game of Thrones type of way, and they would have given us a time jump, the character could have been more meaningful and been involved in more action-packed situations. Uh, so I it's see what called, you mean. It's called edging. Where I, I see exactly what you mean, Drew, where you're almost expecting it in the other show. You're like, boy, are we just going to watch you be here for four days? Like, <laughs> I thought we were going to fast forward eight months and you were going to already be across the ocean with the horses and everything. I I just thought that House of the Dragon was kind of a, a really big success in storytelling when you're cramming you know, almost a couple decades, nearly a couple decades worth of storytelling into 10 episodes and you're able to follow the characters and get invested and all these things. And I think that that's like a a really great accomplishment, putting all that in there. And I thought the performances were really good. I think like compared to, again, it's, it's apples and oranges, but if you do want to compare performances, I think that the acting in house of the dragon is a lot stronger for me than rings of power. Just overall, there's some really great performances here. I think that Patty Considine who played Viserys um, was actually really incredible. And I think that, you know, I always compare things to the awards race, but I think there's a lot of people in the show, a lot of actors who could get, you know, Emmy noms come that time of year. But if anybody's likely to win one, it would be Patty Constantine who played Viserys. I think just his transformation over the course of the season um, was, man, he was killer, dude. Uh, Yeah. If I gave rings of power an eight, I would probably give House of Dragon a nine, even with my like personal bias and nostalgia for like Lord of the Rings, dude, House of the Dragon, (laughs) like it's so well written. The intrigue is so good. Like, I mean, these complex storylines just come together perfectly every time, even when you don't think they could, like, you're like, where's this going? I don't know about that. And then, like, they hit you with it. It turns out great. I mean, the it looks great. The effects are great. The dragons look great. All the acting is top-notch. Uh, absolutely top-notch acting. Uh, I don't know. And the story, man. Like, the storyline of the reluctant heiress uh, that, like, wants to do what her father wants but doesn't really want. And then, like, the way it ends... And like that look, man, it was it was just perfect. I'm ready. I, I'm so upset that we have to wait like two years, but so I'll wait. I, I also would go like I said, a, a seven for Rings of Power. I would probably go an eight or an eight five for for this here Game of Thrones business, uh, House of the Dragon. I thought that there were things in House of the Dragon that are pretty classically Game of Thrones or maybe classically HBO that did not service the Incest? show. And yeah, that didn't really service the show in any way. Like, you know, maybe maybe the incest didn't particularly serve the story. That masturbating way. out of a window? Maybe <laughs> masturbating out of a window or jerking off to the queen's feet under your shirt. <laughs> like, you know. There were a lot of very gra- graphic birthing scenes or miscarriage scenes. I'm just not sure what they just... did to make the show better. This reminds me of Hostel. When Hostel came out and everyone was like, oh my god, it's so scary. But then over the years we realized it wasn't scary, it's just gross. And when they kind of just keep putting this stuff in the show, I'm like, I mean, it's not anything, it's just kind of gross. 
you're just pushing the boundary for the sake of pushing the boundary, right? I felt I get I get what you're saying. I kind of felt like that guy uh, having this weird foot fetish kind of detracted from the character a little bit. You know what I mean? Because he was a really, the same he was a really good character. Yes. He was a really good character. I was like, finally, they gave him like a layer for you to just think he's a weird creep for no reason because he he's was, just been playing the game, but now he's a weird feet guy. He was like, a, he was a worthy replacement for like Varus and that whole intrigue circle, man. He was good. But I believed know, it. And then I mean, he's just like, I, I do it for the feet. <laughs> I don't want to be kink shaming, though. You know, if you're a feed guy, you should feel safe and comfortable in your life being a feed guy. I just don't think that the show needed to make that guy a feed guy. I don't think it added anything to the show. Although I would watch a movie where the main character's entire, like, driving force is the feet. <laughs> I would totally watch that. So movie. just wait until the autobiography of Quentin Tarantino comes there out. There you go. Yeah, I was I waiting know, for the Tarantino. I know that I shouldn't be surprised that our House of the Dragon conversation quickly went in that direction of things, but... Um, I'm not the one who put a feet jerking off scene in the show. <laughs> I'm trying to say that I think there should be less of that type of content. Yeah, we're I, saying I don't we don't want it. it. don't think it makes the show more rich, is my, my point. Um, I, I was going to say just some of the transitions between actors when they had to go that route i thought was pretty effective i actually had really come to like emily carey and millie alcock who'd played young renera and young alicent respectively or, very good I said those in the opposite order but still i thought they were wonderful young actresses and then it transitioned to older actresses and i was like oh i kind of liked them um but i thought olivia cook who played the older allison was incredible and emma darcy it took me a little bit to get on board for her as Renera, but by the by the end, I they had they had won me over. Uh, yeah, I agree. By the end of the season, they had certainly won me over. But I, I thought she had had a couple of dry scenes and a couple of boring scenes in between there, where I wasn't sure. You know, I wasn't sure if they should have replaced the original princess. You know, it's, they they totally crushed it. Uh, but you're right. By the end, Renaria had come all the way around. She had stunning performances in the final episode. Absolutely killer. And and I just think early on in the season, when we were getting so many time jumps, I started to think, OK, is House of the Dragon going to be more of an anthology series? Like, are we going to see all of these characters storylines rounded out here? And then maybe next season we'll get like a new lineage if they are like a little bit further down the line with new characters. But it became very clear that they put in a lot of content, a lot of time jumps to get to a certain point at the end of season one. And it is kind of like, oh, OK, now now. We're, we're the real Game of Thrones-esque stuff. Here. Yeah, it's so about I'm, to go down. It's going to be so good. Yeah, so I'm I'm very excited to see. And I'm assuming then uh, there's, there's a lot of years of Targaryen bloodline to cover leading up to where Game of Thrones starts. And so, uh, you know, I could see them starting to slowly... Con- you know, continue to age up these characters and slowly add in new people and just keep the lineage going. And some of these characters we've met this first season will eventually be killed or phased out as they age up and then on to the new ones. I think there's a, there's a really interesting landscape for storytelling they have here by going with a lineage. Cause I, I have not read house of the dragon, but from what I understand of the book, it is like a textbook. It's like reading a history book where the, a lot of these things are just sent a sentence in in the book about the history of a character that they've 
you know, made into several episodes worth of storylines or things, you know, they've really expanded upon with, with George R. R. Martin involved in it directly in it. So I don't know. I just think in whatever way that I wasn't invested in certain stories in rings of power until the end, I was invested all the way throughout house of the dragon. That was my take on it. House of dragon was great, man. I watched the whole thing with my parents and Jenny we all loved it. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. There were some like truly noteworthy scenes, especially in that last episode, man. Uh, that thing with uh, the little boy and his uncle uh, and the dragons. <laughs> Dude, I was like, holy shit. I didn't think it was going to happen, and then it did. Ooh, baby, that was. Oh, the, baby. Man, that was the like jaw hit the floor. The actor who plays the older Amond, Prince Prince Amond with the you know the eye patch and everything, just has such eye an incredible look. So it, menacing. It, he looks dope. Yeah. So he reminds me of like Draco Malfoy, but instead of a Draco Malfoy that you slap in the face and he falls down crying, this Draco Malfoy carves out your eye with a knife and leaves you bleeding on the floor. Very apt. I like the comparison. He's like I a Draco totally Malfoy agree. that's not a bitch. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's fair. I, I love the character. I've loved him since the first time I saw him with the eye patch. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, it happened. They they took him from little kid to, like, teenager, adult. Uh, and I like that he's the younger brother, but he looks like the older brother. He carries himself with much more respect and power. Uh, I think he's just a really compelling character. I'm not looking forward to him dying, and I don't think he will anytime soon. Friend of the, friend of the show, Connor, had actually made the, the point when I was in conversation with him is that he felt like the actors for the older Aegon and Aemond should have been switched based on how they looked at their younger stages. If that makes sense, like the young Aegon, that's very like true. Could have aged into the young, the older Aemond. If that makes sense, like the actors. Yeah, the young Aegon had a sharp face. Right. Like he had that pointed chin too, and like, yeah, you're not wrong. And I agree with what he said 100% from a physical standpoint. However, just the actor who plays Amond is so perfect for that role. And the eye really I mean, like, I would, wouldn't change that for a thing because he's so really, he's they should have just changed incredible. the little, the, the kid actors around and that would solve it. But uh, yeah, because you're not going to change the adult who plays eye patch Amon. That, that scene at the end, you know, to go into the finale a little bit here. So we, we are talking spoilers. We've already mentioned something, some major spoilers, but, I, you know, if it wasn't clear before, spoilers are, you know, totally on the table for this. We knew from when Amond, as uh, when he was younger, when he got that dragon, when he bonded with that dragon, we knew that it was the biggest dragon that they knew. We, we heard that, but we hadn't seen him compared that boy to was others. Thick. We and saw that him scene just where when he was a little boy crawling up on it, and we were like, "Oh god, that thing was big, man!" But to and see so, it illuminated by lightning, the size of a castle just looming in the storm was absolutely awesome. Just so cool. It doesn't so help terrifying. that we saw it. We saw it side by side with probably what was the smallest dragon too. That was that's not fair. That wasn't a fair. I love the way that the shots happened to where, uh, you know, kid homeboy comes in and he lands on his dragon. And like you could tell he jumps off with some swag because he just rode in on a dragon. 
and that's the queen's kid and then he like sees over in the distance like the shadow of the dragon and you know that none of the guards are impressed anymore because they just saw like a 3000 Godzilla scraper Godzilla dragon come land right over there so like it changes this power dynamic instantly where he goes from being the awesome kid on the dragon to look man uh, a dude with an eye patch just showed up on Godzilla Dragon. Like you're nothing right now. You and your dragon are, are laughable. Uh, it's uh, an interesting power predicament. And yeah, the- I, I love to see Baratheon's court. I was excited for that. Uh, not at all what I was expecting for how he was Baratheon. hilarious. Someone pointed out that you know he's rich. He has access to a master in education and just chooses to not be literate and. <laughs> he's like books are for nerds <laughs> come come read this for me nerd there's also like, the off chance that he knows how to read and you remember the mother described him as proud maybe he's too proud to read in his own court i agree with but, you i think he's illiterate because he's uh, such an ass but there's this so on brand he just makes someone else do it maybe and then yeah obviously we're building up to the scene where like you know the uncle wants an eye from the little boy to like even Steven's eye for an eye. And then they're flying. The boy does some good escaping, but then he can't get his dragon under control. The dragon goes off half. The, the smaller dragon goes off half cock breeze fire. The gargantuan dragon's face. And then that, the uncle can't control his dragon. That whole and chase scene. Whole scene for me goes down as one of the more intense TV moments of the year of just a very, uh, you know, intense scene. I was like on the edge of my seat because you know what's going to happen as soon as as soon as young Luke is his nickname when he's flying away on his smaller dragon and you know, Eamon's dragon is no longer there as he's leaving. Like you're waiting for that dragon to show up through the clouds. And still when it happens, it was intimidating and intense. And there were so many, scary. there was so much foreshadowing throughout the season of Viserys saying early on in the season, um, you know, that, that they've never really been in control of the dragons. And it was mentioned again in the 10th episode that, if you bring dragons into the war, it's just going to destroy everything because you, you can't really control them. And the foreshadowing was was there. We see what happens at the end of the episode and it leaves on that cliffhanger. And it's like, OK, you know, this is going to be the look real on stuff's his about to face. go down. The look on Avon's face after it happened. He was like, oh, no, <laughs> like, don't I don't tell my but, mom. I couldn't help but think, though, I'm like. Amen, what'd you think was gonna happen? Like, yeah, I know. What, what did you say? If, if if you didn't want to kill him, why'd you set out to follow? I mean, I understand you wanted his eye, but like, did you really? What did you think was gonna happen? We were just playing around. <laughs> I didn't it's know like, my dragon was gonna eat his dragon, it's like, and he was gonna fall to his death ten thousand feet. I mean, your cousin's running through the forest. You let a tiger out of the cage, and then you're like, ha, got him. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, no. I thought what? the tiger was just going to scare him. <laughs> ooga, ooga, was, I'm a tiger. Oh, boy. Uh, oh boy. How, about well, some other, how about some other high moments in the show? Anything else that sticks out to you guys is like, oh, hell yeah, this show, go hard. Uh, besides I mean, the king's performance, you know, we talked about the king's performance. He had some great moments. When Damon walks in through the the crabbers like territory and like takes on all those people, 
to like pull, draw them out of the cage so that the dragons can wreck their shop, dude. Man, that was when I was like, all right, Damon, Damon, like he was already kind of a badass, but then I was like, oh no, nah, that dude's that dude's a fr- I mean, he's a freaking war hero, man. That guy's a badass. Yeah, man, Damon go hard. That dude, uh, I mean, oh, anything, man, anything, Damon. Plan which is like, let's take 16 or 14 dragons and then just kill everyone overnight. I love that. That's a, that's a great plan. That is a good plan. The moment that Vaymond, uh, Ve- uh, Corliss's brother, I believe, uh, yeah, you know, does does proclaim Ooh. the the princess's sons to be illegitimate. And Damon that. just... You know, did not hesitate. No, he he cut his head in half sideways and said, you can keep your tongue because he was going to take it. And then you just see the tongue waggling out of half a skull. You're like, oh, my God. As Gary would say, Damon, Damon, go hard. Damon, go so hard. And you shouldn't say And you won't say that again. He fucked around. He found out. It was pretty immediate. Now he knows. Yeah, he knows. I, I mean, that's even working. that's even what his brother thought. Like his brother was like, "Yeah, I can see why he had to do that." Yeah, his brother almost heeded it as a warning when he was like, "Yeah, our house can be too." Uh, what did, I forget the word he said, but you know, we we can be too proud. We can try too hard. Basically, they have a way of prying and trying to take over, is what he said. And so he took it as like, "Yeah, I'm not saying anything like that. <laughs> Y'all shouldn't have said that shit." Should have said it. It is worth noting, you know, with all the time jumps, those last three episodes were linear. You know, they went in, you know, from the moment that Lord that we see Viserys die at the end of of eight. And then we see kind of the plotting after his death for nine. And then that leads to um, everything with Rhaenyra and ten. I just thought all of that tension of playing from one episode to the next really worked well. Uh, I, I, when just quick question for you: When you watch House of the Dragon and you see the opening credits start, do you sit and watch through them or do you skip it? Skip it. So, uh, Gary, how about you? I don't watch it, but I do listen to it because I like the song. I, I also do. I'll usually keep it on because um, for whatever reason, I read the cast list i i like i'll see it so i knew on that ninth episode like i knew the actors in it and it only did uh the actors for viscer viserys uh hightower and allison in that ninth episode so i knew i was like oh so are we only gonna see king's landing this episode and surely enough we did and and same with the 10th episode the actress who plays allison was not listed in it so i'm like oh so now we're gonna see the other side of it oh no i just i i it's interesting if you watch the credits because if you pay attention to things like that it'll give you almost a little bit of insight as to what's coming ahead i don't know man i just thought i knew i knew the hbo was gonna go all out for the show because of the success that game of thrones was and the 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 not as great reception that the final season of Game of Thrones got. I knew that they really were going to go all out with the show and make it good. And it even far surpassed my expectations. In my personal opinion, I would put the first season of House of the Dragon up there with some of the better seasons of Game of Thrones. I think that definitely that it's that it's up there in, in the storytelling. I just I thought it was really great. And obviously, again, comparing the two shows that we've been talking about, I, I do. I'm not ignorant to the fact that 
House of the Dragon has the advantage of being built on the grounds that Game of Thrones built before it. Like, I get it. It's easier to get invested. We had all those shows, the Game of Thrones. You get how this world works. You get the lore. And despite us having the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit trilogies, like the Rings of Power really is setting up a new world. So I understand the difference there. But man, just House of the Dragon, from the moment it started, I was just totally on board. And I thought every single episode delivered. I thought it was one of the better shows I've watched this year. And, uh, but again, I don't think you need to take sides with these two shows at the end of the day, we're lucky to have both. And it's awesome that we get all of this great content. Even if sometimes it feels like we have too much content. Like I was saying in the beginning, as a fantasy fan, it used to be real dry, man. I'm fucking, I I'm, I'm not so thirsty right now, man. It's been good. I feel like I remember the talk about this show when it was coming up. A lot of people were like, I'll give it a shot absolutely exceeded those expectations like it became the must watch it is as good as pretty much any season of game of thrones it is good every uh, every season of I'm all there are so many fans that said i don't need more game of thrones like i'm good all of those people watched house of the dragon and have been praising it so <laughs> i'm one of those people i didn't ask for more game of thrones i didn't need it and i didn't particularly want it House of the Dragons exceeded my expectations. It's better than I thought it would be, but I don't think that it's as good as the best seasons of the original Game of Thrones. I think it still sits above the bad seasons, but nowhere near as good as the top seasons because the I, I thought there was something really natural about the marketability of the original Game of Thrones. It almost seemed like everybody was a character that was already ready to be a pop or a hero or a comic book character or a villain there were all these big characters like Arya Stark. He like wanted to have an action figure and the Hound and Sansa and Rob. And there were just these big, big characters, Tyrion, where you, you wanted a plushie of these characters. You know, I don't really want a plushie of Rhaenyra. I, I don't care. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't give a damn about that. They're missing some of the magic there in these almost superhero-esque type of characters uh, the, these people that are more than the regular civilians of King's Landing, and they also haven't touched the grittier side. Uh, the characters like Bronn and the characters from overseas, from across the Narrow Sea, uh, right now they've just sort of stuck with these noble houses in King's Landing. I think that gives them a lot of room to grow. Um, and things I'm looking forward to are all these, the things I just mentioned. I would love to see those things come in the future. I'm sure they will but they weren't there in season one. And I was missing that. I, I kind of like having those larger than life uh, warrior characters running around the kingdom doing their thing too. No, I think that's fair. For sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, the characters aren't necessarily the, of the same caliber. Oh, uh, oh, oh, I don't mean to cut you off. Did you guys see whenever Matt Smith looked in the eyes of the dragon and then his eyes turned into like dragon eyes? Like, his eyes totally morphed. You guys think he can warg dragons? Can he control dragons? Oh, is he brand? a dragon warg? That'd be sick, dude. I thought it's it was a just thing a, that people a transition, but maybe. It, it might have been a transition. It could, I mean, wargs absolutely exist Because those are the in things that are missing, right? Is like, the faceless men. The there's no wargs. There's no faceless men. There's no... I was going to say, there's no, like, wizards. I was, like, wondering if we were going to get to see old magic finally. There's no children of the forest. There sorcerers across the Narrow Sea, but they just... They weren't allied with them at the time of the original Game of Thrones, and that's right. fine. But why can't we have a sorcerer in the court now? Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff I was excited to see. Not wrong. Potential things. I'm still excited to see. Everybody's the same class, and they all picked noble background. Yes. And it is very different. You're not wrong. That's a very good point. Uh, yes. It's 
it definitely varies. I mean, there's no every man, there's no character of the people, there's no onion night. Uh, yeah, it's just all no, a bunch of fancy people for fancy parties having a fancy war. Finger, but yeah, right. Littlefinger like had to, he wasn't really a noble. He had just gotten into their ranks because he was really good with money. And there's no guy, you know, he was trying to marry in at every little turn. He was a little weasel. And there's not he was an everyman. He was just a different kind. But yeah, those that's the characters I'm missing. And it's I, and I Fair. that's the only reason I say it's not as great as the greatest episodes uh, of the greatest seasons. But it's definitely better than the bad ones. And the only character they had that was like that was like that uh, Damon's like ex like lover prostitute who like became a spy master or whatever. But like it seems like they already killed her off, and it's like yeah, man, that was like character is that was Damon's boo. and maybe the only one that you would want a pop of or an action figure of. Bro, I absolutely want that pop. Yeah. He he's sort of the standout like awesome badass guy from the show, and then there were so many in the first iteration. Yeah, I agree. Well, perfect. Well, I think that is a pretty great discussion of these two shows that I know we have all been itching to talk about. It's kind of funny because we do this podcast. And so I feel like sometimes in our chats with each other, we tend to be a little bit more reserved, like in our messenger chat or when we're planning the shows, because we don't want to give away all of our thoughts. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll, we'll be like, you know, it's hot fire or something. I so you definitely, like it, I definitely refrain from giving my opinions outside the pod for sure. So, uh, but yeah, we're, we're lucky to have these shows, although it's probably going to be a while until we get season two of either of these. So they said they won't even see a 2023 release for game of Thrones. Is that 2024? The same, is it Correct. The same for the other one? I don't think that they've even said, I mean, I know it's renewed for a second season, of course, with, rings of power but i don't know if they're planning to do you know a year from now or or what it took them a long time to get this first season out but i feel like uh they had a lot of production delays due to covid and such so hopefully they can crank them out and they they, they have a lot of these sets and things built and a lot of this world created now and they can do it more easily so we will see i would guess i know that they said that house of the dragon won't see 2023 but it'll be out in 2024 i would hope that their aim is to get it out in like april-ish because that's when game of thrones used to come out like typically new seasons of game of thrones would come out april time frame so i just want it i just want to touch it with my body i hope hopefully it's not a full two years but you never hopefully know. This, this has officially reinvigorated my excitement for the Jon snow show though i'm like i'm in. thinking it could be really good I'm almost in disbelief that they don't just keep recording, like take a three-month, four-month break and then have the other season ready to go because you know a show like this is going to get renewed, right? You know they're going to do two seasons, three seasons before they... Don't know that when you're on HBO. (laughs) Not these days. Not during the Discovery takeover. And a lot of these people are, you know, there are some big name actors on this show on house of the dragon character actors like patty constantine and of course reese fonge was was wonderful throughout and uh, uh matt smith of course you know there matt smith in particular seems to be in kind of high demand lately but there are so many lesser known people who are really great in showcasing their talents in this show so i hope that they you know the problem for them is that they're gonna get other offers and more work and try to do house of the dragon on top of that. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, Olivia cook who played the older Allison, like she was in the ready player one movie is the female lead. And she's, she's been around, but 
Now it's like, okay, I like I like this person. Her dad's <laughs> performance was very good too. The Hand of the King, Hightower. He was Otto. certainly yeah, he was great. Yeah, that's he was despicable and intelligent and just fantastic. He, yeah. he was he was the up lizard. there with Tywin, man. He was up there with Tywin. He's like, the lizard. He's the lizard. Yeah. Oh, he's the lizard from the Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew yeah. Garfield, Doctor Connors. Yeah, gotcha. I'm wearing a Spider-Man shirt. Boom. <laughs> well, on that note, so we've talked about those. So, real quick, before we end the show, um, this will be kind of the the new the new way of doing this moving forward. That was our main discussion. But real quick, we're going to do the, each go through a couple things that we have found to be fresh here recently that we have been enjoying. And I will go first. The first thing I want to mention is Ticket to Paradise. Uh, this is a rom-com currently in theaters starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts. I know what you're thinking. No, it is not 1995. Uh, where a rom-com with Julia you Roberts and George Clooney that's really impressive <laughs> would have been would have been the norm uh, this is not the type of thing you see in 2022 but if this is your jam you'll enjoy this it's not the best rom-com I've ever seen but boy did I like seeing these two mega movie stars back on the big screen Julia Roberts hasn't been in a theatrical release since 2018 and I think George Clooney it maybe had been even longer for him so it was the nice men who stare at ghosts was his last movie there you go and i'm just he's i don't know (laughs) he's been directing he's been around he's done a couple netflix movies he did that one space netflix movie that just came out like espresso he's been big in he's been big in espresso oh yeah yeah, um (laughs) anyways it was a good time at the theater i enjoyed it um, if you need a good date night movie, I'd recommend it. It's like a solid six out of 10, but it's not the best, but, uh, I like these two actors. It was good to see them. I also wanted to mention Halloween ends on the show. Uh, and Jahan and I messaged about this and I did a little solo pod here recently, just a defense of this movie because it's been getting reamed by a few, but there are a few like me that have been defending it. Um, cause ultimately I liked Halloween ends. I don't think it was great. I'm not sitting here saying like it's the best movie. I think it had a lot of problems. However, I appreciated that it tried to do some new things for this franchise and didn't, you know, just go back to the well. I know that there's a lot of people that want to go to a Halloween movie and just see, you know, Michael Myers killing some babysitters or whatever and doing the, the traditional thing, but I appreciated the new things that this film tried to do. And lastly, I wanted to mention Piggy. Uh, Piggy is a Spanish horror film that it won, I believe it won best. <laughs> Starring El Nicolas Cage. No, I see what you're doing because of, of Pig. That, that is, that, I appreciate that, Scary. Um, no, it actually was at Fantastic Fest, but I missed it there. And it is, it won, I believe, best horror film of the independent films at fantastic fest, but I was able to see this. It deals with the, it's an overweight girl who gets bullied, but when she sees her, her bullies, um, get abducted, it's the decision of, do I tell people what I've seen and do I help them out? Or do I say, 
screw them because they've made my life hell. And it's a horror movie in that line. And it was just really well done. I feel like it's been getting a a little bit of buzz on the indie film circuit. And I am actually not sure where you can find this right now. I'll see if I can include it in the show notes, but I recommend piggy. I, I thought it was actually a really fun watch. So that are, those are my fresh picks for the week. Uh, so I would like to say real quick, uh, Halloween ends sucked big butt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you like movies that suck big butt, go watch it. It was terrible. Drew tried to sit here and was like, "I'm not trying to tell you." Did you watch, to go it, watch it or anything? But then, like, literally told us in the chat to go watch it. <laughs> like, don't sit here and say that you're not a defender of this dog movie. You are, man. You love this piece of crap. I don't even have to watch it. I'm with Jahan. <laughs> I did watch it, uh, and it, I did not. I don't know. I don't. Man, that one, that kid in the beginning of the movie sure caught a lot of air from not a lot of kicking, uh, <laughs> dude. So like, <laughs> Gary, the movie. Don't opened. don't spoil it. I don't wanted, spoil the opening oh. scene. Don't do it because I. Despite That's fair. Your complaints, That's fair. I think the opening scene of this film is extremely effective. It is and... effective, but it was also really stupid. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. It reminded me of uh, when that kid falls down the hill in that uh, alien movie clip that Paul Rudd always shows when he's on Conan. <laughs> that's what. It, that's what. Yeah, it reminded me of that, and I was. Like, it was so. But then, like when he's on the thing, I don't know. This movie sucked. But yeah, <laughs> I'll move on to my movies now. Halloween's not one of them. Oh yeah, so She-Hulk finished. Uh, you know, we're not going to do a big discussion about She-Hulk because, like, not all of us watched it, but She-Hulk consistently, every episode made me laugh. It was a good time. It gave me that, that, uh, Marvel MCU flavor, uh, full flavor. Um, this, and they also consistently somehow, I mean, probably because, you know, uh, misogynist trolls are so goddamn predictable, you can set your watch to it. So they, they successfully called out what was going to be complained about in each episode like ahead of time so like the first episode comes out the second episode mentions what the trolls online were saying in between on that week because like it's very predictable what they're going to complain about and it was just really funny to watch them do that uh they they trolled the trolls in that way but the show is great i would love to watch more she hulk uh they made a joke about her being on the big screen, and then uh, they were like, psych! And then she was like, "Oh, I'll never be in the big movie. And it was really funny, but I love She-Hulk. It was funny. It was good times. I recommend it to any fan of legal dramas, for sure. I'm uh, with you, Jahan. I thought the finale was incredible. I was not expecting the meta. So I was not expecting the meta out the the meta aspect to it. Um, but I thought it was extremely well done and I was not expecting for it to be amongst some of my favorite of the MCU shows, but alas, here we are. I thought it was top, really excellent. Top tier cameo from Kevin top tier. Yes. Absolute legendary cameo from Kevin. I don't know. I agree with you. It was one of my favorite uh, shows. It was so good. Um, Next on my list, uh, I've been watching, I haven't finished it, but I've been watching Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. It's an anthology series on uh, Netflix hosted by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I'm not sure if he wrote everything. I know that he introduces each segment 
and uh, with like a little spiel and then talks about the director of each one. Uh, so they're all done by different directors. I watched the first two and like the first one knocked it out of the park for me. I was like, okay, I really liked it. I want to keep watching this, but there's no way the second one's going to be as good. And I was like, holy crap, this second episode was the grease. Like, it was fantastic. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily, like, scary. They do have some pretty disturbing stuff in it. Uh, the first one was kind of chill factory, but they're just really good. The story's really good. Uh, they feel like because I do a lot of TTRPGs, they feel like uh, TTRPG sessions that went perfectly. Like, they're 100% really good, uh, but they're all one-and-done episodes. I I recommend checking it out, absolutely. Especially for Halloween, this episode drops the day before, so you should check out Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. I'm, I'm excited to watch it, Jahan. I've, I have not had a chance to because this all just came out like a few days ago, I think earlier this week. I haven't had time to sit down and watch it, but I am planning to uh, indulge in some of this, especially with it being spooky time. The acting in it is really good, and the actors that they get are like familiar. Uh, I forget who the, the, the one in the first one is, but he's definitely a that guy. Tim, Tim Blake Nelson. I Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, he was so good in the first episode, man. Uh, killed it, killed it, killed it. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's yeah, my just, thought on that. Just glancing through some names I see throughout Tim Blake Nelson, F. Marie Abraham, Martin Starr, Dan Stevens, Ben Barnes, Crispin Glover. Hey, Ben Barnes. Uh, Rupert Grant, DJ Qualls, uh, Eric Andre, Sophia Batella, Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of people in here that you recognize from other shows. Yeah, that's really cool. It's Andrew Andre get killed because you know he's gonna get killed. (laughs) I I really enjoy it a lot. I can't recommend it enough. It's like perfect for this season. It really is. after that, I've been watching, and this was recommended to me by our mutual friend Rachel when we were at the wedding. Centaur World, she wouldn't stop talking about it. She was trying to get everyone to watch it. I've watched uh, several episodes. She brought this up to me, too, a few weeks ago at a different event. Bro, I, so I know of it through her. It's a Netflix original show. They spent a lot of money on this animation. She's right. They did that and then didn't promote it. It's really weird. But so uh, it. It is in the same vein as like Adventure Time, uh, Steven Universe it has that same kind of feel, but like it opens up in like a desolate fantasy world with this woman. It looks, it does, she was right, it does look kind of like the Legend of Korra style of animation, but like everything's destroyed. There are these like Minotaur monsters in armor that are chasing people around, and like this woman on the back of a horse is a badass trying to like do this quest. She has to get the artifact to her captain. Through a series of events, the artifact winds up sending the horse, specifically, to another world. And it's Centaur World. Everything in Centaur World is a centaur. Centaur just means having human body parts as an animal. Uh, or a tree. They have tree centaurs. It's really weird. But it is. it does, on the surface, just come off as like this goofy, silly, fun time. But like the horse is like uh, a pee, like almost uh, you know a shell shocked like warrior that's suddenly sent to this like fluffy world. But then that world starts getting darker. Uh, it's really funny, like really really funny. But some of the humor is a little you know it's like off kilter humor. 
uh, at one point, one of the creatures, it has a very like adventure time look to me just scrolling it, through. Pictures. It has an adventure time feel um, from like the butt jokes to like the strangely deep messages that it throws at you. Uh, but it's really funny uh, and charming. It does have a lot of singing in it. If you're into that or not into that, I wouldn't say it's a musical, but it is definitely it definitely has a lot of songs. It has more songs than adventure time and adventure time has a lot of songs. Uh, I, rec- I, I, from what I've seen, I recommend it. I can't wait to finish it and see how it goes. Perfect. Gary, what are your fresh picks or maybe not fresh? So I only want to talk about some video games this week. Um, John and I, we, we took it pretty hard on overwatch too. When it first came out, we'd only had about 48 hours, 24 to 48 hours to play it. The queues were long. Uh, all the skins were gone. It was not a great game. The transition was sloppy. No That's new maps, been, nothing. That has all been cleaned up. There are new maps. There are new characters. There are character reworks and redesigns, and everyone has their skins back and their sprays back and all their stuff. The account linking is working. Uh, the game is more fun than ever, and I just wanted to take a note, take a little step aside to say Overwatch 2, uh, you... I, you know, you've been forgiven. You're fresh now. You're super fresh. You are forgiven. Certified fresh for sure. On top of everything, like, it is more fun than Overwatch somehow. Uh, and it's free. Like, the fact that it's free just completely knocks everything else away. Uh, we definitely went hard on this, and it is more than made up for itself. My older brother, Thomas, had never played the original Overwatch. Now that it's free, he is playing Overwatch 2 with us. He's a natural I uh, love playing games with my brother, so shout out to Thomas and Overwatch 2. You should check it out. It's cross-play, it's PC, uh, so you can play with your PC friends from PlayStation or from Xbox, uh, and it's, it's like real easy to do that. It's good enough that me and Gary can't stop playing. Yes. <laughs> We've been playing a lot. The other game I would like to talk about was free on Game Pass, and you know how Game Pass releases games all the time. Most of them I don't want to talk about because I'm not interested, or they're not very good. Sometimes even a combination of the two. This one's called Gunfire Reborn. Uh, I took a little look at it, didn't know what I was expecting, but it said it was a roguelike first-person shooter, four-player co-op. And so every single one of those words interested me. I love co-op, I love roguelike, so every time I die it'll be a different adventure, and I'll be unlocking new things as I progress. Uh, so, and it's first-person shooter, right? So who doesn't love a first-person shooter? So you jump in, your first character is this little raccoon guy with, like, a big rice hat, and you're, like, this little tiny creature. You can play four-player co-op right out the bat. You don't have to do uh, a bunch of bullcrap four hours of gaming and playing and unlocking missions before multiplayer is available. It's just ready to play with your friends. Hooray! What a novel concept. Uh, Overwatch had forced training, and so did Gotham Knights. This one had so, a tutorial that's completely skippable. Yeah, so it was very nice to be able to just get right into the game and play. Um, It starts off, and you have, like, a a revolver rifle. And then all of a sudden, you have lightning guns where the lightning balls are bouncing around. Then you're throwing poison-throwing stars that ricochet off, like, 14 walls, and you have a chance that you might throw two. Uh, Sometimes your headshot damage will be 30,000 damage instead of 600. Uh, It's just all about your build and what you're getting on your run. And so I built, like, full shield run and had an automatic shotgun one time and was just running around blasting everybody. And meanwhile, Jahan had a full fire, full crit build and was standing in the back with a sniper rifle just blasting headshots. Uh, All these different weapons. You unlock new stuff constantly. 
you unlock new passives and new grenades and new abilities. There are extra characters to unlock, but I haven't unlocked them yet. Uh, it'll be further during game progression. But that game is called Gunfire Reborn. So if you're looking yeah. for something to play with friends, it's just against computers. You're just running through dungeons, shooting at swordsmen and spearmen and crossbowmen uh, as a cute little future animal guy with really wacky weapons. I just love it. It was a sleeper. It was I didn't know really it was good. Coming, and it's just so fun. I certify it fresh as well. Uh, the things I'll say about it, um, weapon variety, satisfying builds. Like the builds really, like Gary's right, like they're... You can do any kind of build, and they're all filled different. And then enemy variety is huge. So many different types of enemies. doesn't get stale. Uh, satisfying boss battles. And the co-op works. It works well. It's fun. Uh, I don't know, man. This game really did come out of nowhere. It's a very fun multiplayer experience. It if you, doesn't look yeah. good. It doesn't, it doesn't look good. good. It's not voice but, acted. It's not a AAA studio game. It's just a fun video game. It's the kind it's of one thing of the most fun like, games I played in a while. When you think about playing a video game with your friends, this to me checks all the boxes. It's fast paced. It's colorful. There's all these different weapons. There's all these different builds. There's magic. There's grenades. And and when you die, you unlock more stuff so that you want to play again instead of dying and being like, all right, that's it. I'm gonna go. Instead, when you die, it, you know there's all these pop ups and you unlock ten new guns and twelve new passives and you're like, well. Maybe I'll just play another round. Um, that's the the trick of a roguelike game is they just keep you chewing down and biting down on the game. Absolutely love Gunfire Reborn. Uh, I'm not sure why it's called Reborn. I don't know if it's a sequel. That's a weird name for a first game. It should just be called Gunfireborn. But I don't know if it's part of a sequel, part of a series, if there's going to be more. I don't know the answers to those things. But I would love to see what they could do with Gunfire Reborn if they had a little bit more money. But I would hate to see what would happen if a AAA studio tried to take over a title like this. I think they would just suck the life out of it. Um, and that's it for my fresh... I have another fresh game I've been playing. I haven't played it a lot, and I'm just going to talk about it next week so I have something to talk about. Um, but I will tell you guys, don't spend $70 on Gotham Knights in between now and next week, and I'll talk to you next week about why. It's not worth $70. Yeah, that's it. I don't really need to talk to you about it next week. <laughs> well, perfect. I think that that is it for episode 66, uh, fresh out of the podcast. I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And make sure to come back for episode 67 next week, where we're going to be talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Black Adam, uh, which just may be a catastrophe. We'll see. We'll see. Can't wait to talk about our boy James. Uh, but this is Jahanan, uh, the resident game master of Fresh Out the Box, at Rockfact on Twitter. Y'all stay fresh, and hi, Gary. And finally, it's me. It's me, Casualty CDG. If you like our podcast and you want to hear more of Jahan and I cracking jokes, telling stories, and playing games with friends, check out our show. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitch. It's called Fresh Out the Box. Uh, we play tabletop role-playing games. We read rules. We interview game designers. It's just us in games, tabletop games, 
sometimes some board games and maybe even some miniature painting someday. We might take that to the screen. We've been talking about it. Anyways, thanks for being here, guys. You're all perfect and everyone loves you. I kiss your eyes. Have a great week, everybody.